Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest bump. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal, man. Hannibal, Hannibal, Hannibal. Hannibal. Oh, Mr. On weei.com. Of the Off Day Podcast. Not right after the game this year because of uh, COVID issues with protocols. You did some radio last night, but here we are with the post game podcast. I guess what were your uh, now that we're I guess whatever this is eighteen hours after the game what were your what are your takeaways you know immediately after the game and what are they now are we doing um, reasonable takeaways or overreaction Monday takeaways uh, let's go with the overreaction Mondays takeaways because that's what we're in that's the type of business uh, yes sort of my column that I wrote last night uh, Cam Newton the superstar was reborn you have your franchise quarterback he. Looked healthy. He looked great. They ran the ball. One of the more impressive running performances by a quarterback in Patriots history. Most rushing attempts. Sixth most yards. Um, the only thing that sucked, quite honestly, was that there were no fans there. Because I think it would have been a, a really fun day at Gillette Stadium yep. if there were fans. But there was no energy. There was no buzz. You and I talked about this. I agreed with Bill. You know, what would you compare it to? Practice. <laughs> like, that's what it was. He was, he was kind of a dick way he said it but he was he wasn't lying the truth is never mean it was like a practice or a scrimmage i heard i think brady said the same thing in his yeah, post game scrimmage yep yeah like and unfortunately that's what it was because when you look back on this now who knows what happens long term but they went from tom brady to cam newton that's a like a cool transition yep. different player energy like there should have been a buzz in the like there should have been people with their brand new Cam Newton jerseys that they bought on the way into the stadium. Yeah. Like, and instead you just had nothingness. There wasn't even fake. I went outside during the middle of the game. There's not even fake crowd noise. Like there was weird stuff on TV. Well, they, I think there was crowd noise, but I don't think it was loud enough for us to hear, even when you were walking around. Yeah, no, I couldn't hear it. Like I could hear the quarterback's adjustments. The whistles were, obnoxiously loud like because they were the loudest thing by far in the stadium and you like a little PA announcer but overall my biggest takeaway is Cam Newton's healthy Cam Newton is the old Cam Newton how long that lasts I don't know I don't know if the weapons are good enough but from a week one perspective it shouldn't change anything you feel about the long-term um, success of the team in my opinion this year because everybody thought they'd beat the Dolphins right however many wins you had week one against Miami was one of the wins I think yeah, even the ESPN model that had him at, what, five wins? Had him smoking the Dolphins. Right, but just from a, um, like a look and feel perspective, it was fun. Can't, like, I keep going back to the first touchdown was easy. Jermaine Illuminor. Yeah, you said I could have ran in there. Right. I mean, it was basically one-on-one with a defender, 
And Newton's either going to run left or run right based on whatever the defender does. But the second one where he's galloping around yeah, right was, hand. That was like a classic vintage Cam Newton touchdown. And, a, and, and even like a classic visual of the camera shot of him coming right towards the pylon and like yep. full speed ahead. Here's a big quarterback on the move. That was great. And then you look at the passing numbers, 15 of 19, efficient, you know, should have been 16 of 19. Edelman dropped the first one of the game. So everything is, is fun. Now, is that sustainable? Probably not. Do you, are you going to have to change week to week? Probably. Is it good enough? Can you score? Cause I said this in all the circle jerks and everybody got pissy, but I thought the Patriots controlled and dominated the game to some degree. No. Yeah, absolutely. And the score was 14-11 in the fourth quarter. Like, Well, I mean, if you take away Nikhil Harry's fumble at the goal line. Like, but that happens in every game. That's my point. If you're up 35-14 to 14 in a Brady-like passing performance, it doesn't matter whether you have a fumble or a turnover because you're up three scores. Yep, but when yep. you run the ball and play that style of a game and they couldn't turn the turnovers into points, that's a disappointment. They had three picks. None of them led to points. But when you play that style – the margin for error is different. And all it takes is one right. mistake like that. And all of a sudden you could lose a game that you controlled because whether you want to go time of possession, turnovers, third down, what they dominated. Oh yeah. And yet in the fourth quarter, they needed a, an answering drive. And Cam well, said that was his proudest moment, you know, listening yeah. to him that they did answer that, that it goes 14, 11. And then they, boom, they marched down the field, 75 yards game over. But even with all that, did you ever feel like watching the game that it was in any doubt? No, but there's plenty of games I watch that aren't in doubt that the team I think I had no doubt they were going to win loses. Yep. That's my point. Okay. Because that's that when you no, when you you're, you're 100% right. The margin for error is, is very is, – is small this year. It's what their style they're going to play. You're going to – you have to take advantage of your possessions because you're going to get fewer of them. Because – like, look at the way the game started. They punted. They punted. You could do that against – Let's, let's just use the Patriots. Oh, the yeah. Patriots themselves against an old Patriots team, you're down 14 nothing there. And I, I can't imagine they're going to be a good comfort-behind team this season. No, because you can't be that if you're going to run the ball and play read option and do all those things. So there's plenty of things they're going to need to improve on, but look around the league from yesterday. Colts lose to the Jags, yep. right? Yep. Cowboys lose to the Rams. Teams that should have beaten other teams didn't. Right. And – I think you live to regret those, whereas the Patriots, you know, Bill always says, this is different, but he always says, like, in November, wow, we've put ourselves in a good position here. Yep. After one week, the Patriots put themselves in a good position. You're 1-0. You're tied with the Bills atop the division. Bills did the same thing, by the way. They beat a team they're supposed to. Yes. Come out of the gates and beat the Jets. So I give them credit for all of that. But that doesn't really change my opinion that they're going to be – a middle-of-the-road struggle for a lot of wins, 500-type football team. So, so you, didn't, you don't change what – what did we say last week? You had them at 7-9? and 8-8. Eight and eight. That didn't change anything? I mean, I guess – yeah. All right. Yeah. Just well, like yeah. I won't change if they get their doors blown off by the Seahawks on Sunday night. Kind of, yeah. When you look at these games, they were supposed to win this week. They probably aren't supposed to win next week. Right. I mean – Could they, they, they win next week? Absolutely. But – uh, yeah, I don't know about absolutely. It's no, they rough, could. Rough. I'm not saying they are. They could. They could win. Uh, sure, they could. I guess every game you play, you can win. I just the Jaguars won a game last week. The Patriots can win against Seattle. Yeah, but Philip Rivers blows. Okay. Um, I guess we could go a number of different ways here. Who is your biggest 
who you're most surprised by? Like whether it's a position, a player, what were you what were you most surprised by? Like having not seen training camp all summer and this was your first time actually seeing people play. Well, I mean, not that you guys didn't tell me, but certainly the little injection of life that JJ Taylor brought to the running game in the second half. Yep. That little dude can run. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's sustainable, if that's a, you or know. Or even long- if he's a guy that's just in there because Demon Harris is an IR. No idea, but just a visualization that was impressive. And um, another thing that jumped out to me is Ryan Izzo. He played just about as many snaps as anybody. I think he played almost every snap. Yeah, every snap but one, I think. He had the longest Patriots reception in the game. Like, that's a nice little – do I ever think Ryan Izzo is going to catch 50 passes and be a – no. But if Ryan Izzo is a good presence in the blocking game – Yeah, maybe this is the reason why the Patriots weren't aggressive in adding a tight end. And, and he can squirt out every once in a while for a 20-yard catch? Okay. Like, the reality is, if you look at this team, both offensively and defensively, they're going to play a lot of people. They're going to have to play, I don't know, 20 guys on both sides of the ball between all the defensive backs and as the linebackers in the front come all together. The backs, uh, yeah, like, they're going to – the wide receivers, like yeah, – Even the linemen, they had a, some jumbo packages. Right. So, they're going to play a lot of people. This is a – this is an all-hands-on-deck Patriots team, and I would say those little complimentary contributions, if you get 30 yards rushing from J.J. Taylor just randomly on a drive, that might ignite that drive. That might be a key drive in a half or a quarter. Um, Izzo, if you get a, a chunk play like that, that may be a key play. So I thought those things, um, a, a little side note, the Illuminor block on the Cam Newton touchdown when he then laughed in the guy's face like Gronk would, um, I enjoyed that. He, you've got a right That's tackle with a little bit of talent, a little personality. Yep. Um, David Andrews being back, I think, is huge. Yeah, he didn't miss a snap, which I thought was good. Tremendous. And then he celebrated the, the second yeah, touchdown yep. with a spike. That relationship, you know, what did he call him? Some bear? D- D- What's his nickname, Cam's nickname for him? Ah, for whatever. He's got too many of them. I can't keep track of them all. The fact that Cam Newton, and we'll get into this, the energy Cam Newton's bringing to the team – I, I firmly now believe there's nothing fake about it. The camaraderie with his players, the nicknames, nothing fake about it, the handshakes. And part of that showed up on the field with the spike. Yep. Then when he explained the spike and he goes, we're in the same boat, basically. Yep. He missed all of last year. I missed all of last year. Like, there's even a, a like a, it's not just superficial. There's a thought process and an emotion right. and a connection. Right. And then you talked about the way David Andrews praised Cam Newton is different than the way, you know, he might have praised Brady. There's a legitimate bond in two months between Cam Newton and 53 teammates, 54 teammates, whatever the hell it is. So, Like they're all in it together, whereas you said Brady was sort of above them. And I'm not saying he was like a player coach, but they viewed him sort of probably like they would a coach as opposed to a fellow teammate. Well, it's not that different than Drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady. Drew Bledsoe was the franchise QB, $100 million man, number one pick. And Tom Brady came in, and in 2001, all you heard from the linemen and the line, we got to do more now. Teddy Bruschi, the defense yep. needs to carry this team. We, we're all in this together. We can't just stand, you know, sit back and let Drew win the game or Drew be the leader or Drew, Bre- Drew be the whipping boy. I think that it's a little different because Cam is a superstar. Cam yep. is a proven player, but he is also one of the guys, one of the Patriots, and if there's a singular takeaway beyond X's and O's or rushing yards, that would be it. That Cam is all in with this team, and this team is all in with Cam. There's a bond there. 
Um, yeah, and I don't even know if, like, the team needed to, like, see it on the field. But I think Cam, listening to him on our morning show this morning, kind of – he said he had two things to, like, accomplish. And one of the ga- things from the game was winning the trust of his teammates. And Right. It's different because you have to do it on the field. Right. But I think that was already well built and established in training right. camp. Um, so I would say that's my, you know, sort of the biggest picture takeaway is Cam's healthy the way he ran and through and Cam is one with the the team and one with everything we thought it might be that he was this magnetic personality and athlete and everything came to fruition. He is the Patriots quarterback, Jarrett Stidham, who the third string inactive quarterback, string like, inactive quarterback. right? So there's no, there's no question. This is Cam's team. I don't know how good Cam's team is. I don't know how many games Cam's team will win, but this is Cam's team. And that's what I wrote. I even think fans, like if you, you know, look on Twitter, the love fest, like everybody's, even my son, my son texted me after the first 10 yard run, this is going to be a fun season. Like (laughs) it's just different. It's not fair to Brady. He's not a runner. You know, it was also fun. Brady, (laughs) Brady was fun for basically 20 years. Right. But you know, there's a new, there's a new sheriff in town. He's a little different. He does things differently. And I, I do think it's going to be fun to watch. I just wish there had been fans in the crowd for it to be like, because the eruption after those touchdown runs and the song, like, what about Yeah, well, I, well to, to touch on it now, like, it was a weird experience being there. Yeah, it like, sucked. Yeah. Like, we kind of talked a little bit during the game. It was, like, depressing. Like, there'd be a touchdown, and all you could hear was people typing away at their computers. Like, there was no noise. There was no nothing. Yeah, and that – that's too bad because, as I said, this was an historic moment. This was a unique once-in-a-generation type moment. And once in a, you know, listening to Cam and the way he's put so much emphasis on, you know, pinching himself when he first drove into the, the facility yeah, the first yeah. day of practice and, you know, being a Patriot and everything that goes into this, I feel like even for him, he didn't get to get that special moment the way it should have been for right. him. Because, I mean, and, you know, I don't know that I need the documentary. Apparently, he's got 86 yeah, nights coming yeah, out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I need to go down that road. But the genuine um, – I believe he genuinely was, like, questioning himself during the offseason and the free right. agency. And, you know, am I ever going to get a chance? Am I ever going to be Cam again? And then yesterday, he arrives in his yellow canary suit because of – I don't know. I didn't really understand. Warning tape, caution tape, but also he had a, bu- he had a bunch of things that it could have been. Yeah. yeah. And then the post game, the hat and everything like he got some of what I think it could have been, but it could have been a, a more oh. entertaining special day. Um, should we be concerned that Cam Newton didn't target a wide receiver besides Edelman and Harry? No, why would you? I mean, if you're running the ball like that, like, you run but you, can't, but you can't do that every game. But you this this wasn't every game. This was this game. Right. And then the next game, you'll figure something out. And you know, it's gonna be interesting because <clears throat> I did our post-game show last night with Fred Smurless, and he's an old school football guy and pro patriot, certainly, but you know, he's talking about the the not just the running of Cam, but the threat of running of Cam. Now that defenses know Cam can still run, Cam can still dominate. Well, how does that affect linebackers and safeties and the play action? And, you know, Bill talked about it today. Is this sustainable? Well, a lot of it's read options and option thing. It could go a different way. It's a choose your own adventure like those books you used to read. And if the defense plays it differently, Cam will play it differently and the result will be different. And, you know, this is a week. Jamal Adams, you know, the Seahawks. We'll get into preview later in the week, but Jamal Adams, the Seahawks safety, 
he's a big in the box and he's going to be worried about Cam. Does that allow, you know, Devin Asiasi to slip behind him or Julian Edelman? We could start a couple Julian Edelman wide open plays over the middle. You know, do the linebackers focused on the run game? Does that affect, you know, the opportunities in the middle of the field and what you can do there? And so I, there's going to be an evolution of the offense. I don't think it's going to be Cam running the ball 15 times for 75 yards. No, I don't every, think that's going to happen. But he, can he play the game where, okay, the next week I read this play a little differently and I hand it off, hand it off. But when I do run, it's wide open. It's like Russell Wilson. Right. He doesn't run that much, but when he runs, it's usually successful. because like 15, 20 yards. Right. Yeah. It's a give, it's a give, it's a give. Then it's a keeper. Oh, my God, he kept it, and he's sliding out of bounds for 15 yards or something. So and Bill I, I mean, kind of alluded to that today on the conference call too, and he was asked about the 15 times. He was saying, you know, a lot of those were read option plays, and who knows? Next week he could hand it off half of those. Right. So we'll see where it goes, but the threat of the running game is going to open up opportunities for someone. Now the big question is, can those people take advantage of that? Can can you know? Cam talked about you know, the, the Dolphins kind of tried to take away Julian Edelman. And they didn't really do it successfully. He still had a decent game. He had five catches, 57 yards. He had yeah. a run for 23. He was productive. You know, like, to me, Devin Asiasi and Demir Bird are two guys that at some point are going to have to make plays. I think they're going to have to get behind the defense and have chunk plays because they're athletes. They have speed. Yeah. They're the ones that should theoretically bend. Like, Jacoby Myers is not an explosive player. No, Gunner's no, no, no. not an explosive player. Like to me, it's those two. It's Demir Bird and it's Devin Asiasi. That should be. I'm not saying they're going to be consistent, but they need to occasionally take advantage of what Cam and the run game and that other stuff gives them in terms of opportunities. Did you? You were questioning the front seven going into this season. Did what you saw yesterday change that at all? I know it's again, it's against Miami, so you can't really judge a lot, but. Did your anything on with that group change? Uh, no, nothing positive. Um, no, I actually took it as a negative that Josh Uche was a healthy and active. The yeah, I I was a little bit surprised with that, but maybe that was just because they kind of went with some extra defensive backs and kind of went that route. And I think that's what they're going to do this year. Like, like next know. week, I don't know. I don't think it'll happen, but like Juwan Williams, what, he could be inactive some games. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, probably not. I think no, probably not. But like, there could be a player like that that's like, oh, that's kind of a surprise. But then you're like, oh, well, they're you know, their game plan's different. Yeah, I mean, in general, if you're going to have your best players on the field, there's going to be a lot of defensive backs, whether it's rotating or whether it's you know, groups of five, six, seven defensive backs. My question is, teams running the ball on you, and and when are to are teams going to focus on that and whether it's because they think the front isn't that good or whether they're taking advantage of your nickel dime packages of defensive backs, you know, like the Patriots did to the chargers in the yeah. playoffs a couple of years ago, chargers had seven DBs on the field and Sony Michelle ran all day long. The offensive line exerted their will on, on the chargers. Yeah. We'll see where that goes. Now the secondary was, was good. I wouldn't say great. They were no, good, I say not great. great. Um, but they had the three turnovers, which will be like, that's going to be part of the Patriots. Um, the, the the old cliche, simple sort of stats, they're going to have to win more often than not. They're going to have to be good on third down. They're going to have to win the turnover battle. Yeah. You know, red zone, take advantage of opportunities because you may not get a ton of them. Right. Um, and I thought, yeah, like they had the pass interference calls. They, you know, gave up a few here and there, but they were good. They're going to be good. The, your secondary is still the strength of your defense. I think we're all well aware of that. Um, 
But to get back to your question, no. I still have a lot of questions about the front seven. Now, Derek Rivers, that's good. Derek Rivers is healthy. Derek Rivers had a sack. Okay, so that's something that I needed to – you asked about things I needed to see. Yep. Could Derek Rivers be a guy that – not crazy, but could he be a six-sack guy? Because he's a guy you're going to be able to get plays here or there out of now. Bill was very praiseful of Chase Winovich and his expanded role and what he can be moving forward. Well, he was solid. I'm not a big Chase Winovich guy, but I thought he played well yesterday. Yeah, and he's going to have to because they just don't have guys. Like, it's him and Simon. Like, you know, Dietrich Wise was out. Like, they're going to have to get – all of those guys probably have to play better than they've played in the past as a group or there's going to be holes in that front. What are your – do you have any new concerns, I guess? New concerns. Well, I guess basically, are you just saying that yesterday's game kind of not means nothing, but like it's just one game, and so you really can't judge anything? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to overreact. Just like I don't want to – everybody's comparing because everybody watched the Brady game. Well, you took care of an inferior division opponent. Right, and the The, Buccaneers played a team that we – I think both of us had going to the NFC title game. On the road. You went to their house against a Super Bowl contender, and you lost. I mean – Probably could have been expected. Probably could be predicted. Now, there's some issues like throw, Brady throwing pick sixes and, you know, his coach saying he's the one that was can we, over, can we just touch, like, there's nothing wrong with what Bruce Arians said. No, no. But, there are some people that are criticizing him for saying that and Brady should be pissed. No, he, he, Belichick would do the same thing. He just wouldn't do it publicly. Right. And the only question is, do his receivers um, – is the quarterback no longer in the receiver's circle of trust the way Brady would kick the receivers out of the circle of trust if the shoe was on the other foot and they were young receivers? Like, he's getting a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, He's been the pissy pants for the years that was mad when people were in the wrong place or made the wrong read, and now, oh, well, you know, he's the new quarterback. It's going to take him a little time. Like, it, he's getting – maybe this will make him look back and say, you know what, I could have been a little more open-minded uh, here, right. fair there. I don't know. But – I'm not going to overreact and say the Patriots are going to the AFC title game and the Bucs are going to go 2-14 and 14 because the Patriots won a game they're supposed to win and the Bucs lost a game they're probably supposed to lose. Yeah, I think we should probably have this conversation after, whatever, four games, month or so in, six weeks in, because, yeah, they're going to – the schedule's going to have their ups and downs. Just look at the next couple of weeks. At Seattle, home against the Raiders, at Kansas City. Like, there's going to be some ups and downs these next couple of weeks. And – I said it on our post-game show last night. The one thing it eliminated, it, I guess didn't even really eliminate, but sort of eliminated was the, the Brady Midas touch kind of theory. Like, yeah. oh, he's just going to go there and they're going to roll to 14 wins and they're going to win the Super Bowl because Tom Brady has weapons. And, I mean, if you look at it from a Tampa perspective, they got the same quarterback they had a year ago. He threw a couple picks. He fumbled. He right. had a pick six. Like, if I'm Mike Evans, I'm like, wait a minute. We got rid of the guy who threw 30 picks, but um, this guy's on pace to throw 32 picks right now. <laughs> like, it's not a weird stat today. It means nothing. But so Brady's thrown a pick six the last two games. Aaron Rodgers only has two pick sixes his entire career. Interesting. And that doesn't mean anything. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. No. I mean, in the snapshot of last, the end of last season, the beginning of the season. Brady's in trouble. He's old. He's not good anymore. Does that mean that's true? No, I don't believe that's true. I think there is a Brady game coming with four touchdowns on 28 of 32 passing and some silly numbers. I think he's still capable, but they're a work in progress. They have new faces. He's, I mean, any, any team that has a new quarterback, I mean, is it a coincidence? Phillip Rivers 
threw a couple picks and Brady threw a couple picks. Well, that kind of brings you to the next point. How much do you – or I got maybe the last point. What's your – like, with no preseason, did you notice that at all yesterday, this week in general? Uh, Not really. It was far less sloppy, far less missed tackles. I thought there would be more, like, explosive offensive plays when guys fell down or – nope. You're just, like, penalties. Right. Especially – well – I mean, the officials, there were some highlights in games I saw where there were little snippets of the officials kind of sucking. Yeah. But that happens every week of every year, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, we can criticize officials. So, I, I actually saw somebody tweet, um, like, somewhere in the middle of, like, the 1 o'clock games, like, do you hear that noise? It's preseason football dying because these well, games are fine. Like, I was just going to say, this kind of is a sign that there's going to be no preseason games. But – yeah, as long as there's, like, joint practice. Like, well, that's what I was going to say. I think even Bill – like, I, I bet a lot of coaches were – I'll be in favor of that because they get more out of the joint practices than they do a game. They can control everything. Right, but they're still – they need that time to develop young quarterbacks, develop young yeah, players. Yeah, see, like, I don't – maybe they do just go down to two or one. Like, the days of four are absolutely over. Right, because, I mean, the sloppiest thing I remember seeing was the clock crap at Gillette where they couldn't – it was at the end of the – First quarter, the play, oh, and take like, that weird, the weird TV timeout with like 30 seconds left, and then the Patriots just like ran left the clock running. Right, and the, he even announced, "Please put the play clock at 38." They don't have to it, run a play. Run, right, and then it didn't really run. It actually took forever for the whole thing to play out in live time, and the Patriots didn't take a timeout. People thought they did, and yeah, it was it was very strange. But other than that, no, I didn't see anything that was glaringly oh my god there were no preseason games oh my god these guys haven't hit or tackled enough um they it looked like normal football for you make anything of Edelman only playing whatever it was 38 snaps like is that gonna be a trend all year or just like a build-up or um no I I mean the way Cam talked about you know the way they defended Edelman and they knew they were going to defend Edelman I think they kind of planned for that I and I mean you do want to monitor him. It was like yeah. he was out there for the second punt return after the muff. But Bill even mentioned, you know, earlier this year, you know, process we started a year ago, kind of monitoring him on punt return. Like right. he's the 34-year-old slot receiver. If if you have any hopes of being a good team in December and then maybe January, beat him. you can't beat the snot out of him in September. And if you right. can win a game where he's the third receiver and his snaps are down. and Because even remember we've talked about like last year, there'd be games where like, He's banged up. Maybe they want to use him as a decoy. And then all of a sudden he's like doing crackback blocks on defensive ends. Right. And you're like, well, that's not saving anywhere on the, on the right. tire, the tread. So yeah, if you can have a game where he's the third receiver and he's on the sideline and you're playing jumbo packages and extra tight ends and running the ball, do it because now this week you may need him more. He may need to be out there every snap in three receiver sets to try right. to keep up with the Seahawks. So he's not getting a rest this week. Um, but no, I didn't read into anything like there's a lot of read into questions with Edelman this year read into him not being a captain read into him not starting read into him not playing a lot nope I still think he's a key core contributor to this team and and guy they'll need in January and December so any other thoughts you want to get out on the game or anything uh how about the kicker situation oh yeah we should get to that uh well has anyone confirmed that was he added to the roster was he signed or was he just promoted from the practice squad did you oh, pick up on this Saturday? On the on the transaction wire, it read like that they added him to the roster from the practice squad, but then in the release, it said they signed him. And there's a difference. Yeah, because if you 
because they had an open spot because they put um, Gunner on IR. Right. So what I'm saying is if he's signed to the active roster, he doesn't buy up two of his times getting promoted from the practice squad. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. I, I'll be honest with you. I, a, I didn't really know it was a thing. And B, I have no idea what actually happened. All I know is he tried to kick from 45 yards and it never had a chance. No, that was like a Justin Warwasser kick from something. I mean, I think that was his – is it safe to say that was his worst kick as a Patriot? Probably. Yeah, because, I mean, he only missed. Well, I also think – I don't even know for sure, but how many did he kick over 40 yards last year? Uh, I don't know for sure. Not many. Sure. But – yes, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the year's 2020 in the NFL, that's like a – got to make that kick more, yeah. more often than – way more often than not. Yes. And if they're going to – we talk about it. If they're going to play these games, those three points matter. Those That momentum over a turn, that came after an interception. So what would you do? Would you try Warsaw out, or would you find somebody on the street? Like, what would you do? Well, I still have never in my life seen Warsaw kick, so it's hard for me to – but based on all you people telling me he stinks, um, I mean, you, you're going to have to roll Nick Folk out there again, aren't you? You can probably find somebody better out in the street, right? Who? I don't know. All these, kickers are the, all these kickers are the same to me. So who's out there? Like Tampa cut um, Matt Gay, right? Yeah. Yep, he's yep. still available. I was going to say the gay kicker, and I don't know. Probably uh, Ryan Suckup, Titans release for Guskowski. He's still out there, I believe. Yeah, but there's a reason people are out there. But like, how much better is Nick Folk than some of these guys? But he was good last year. After right. one kick, we're going to run him out of town. Well, I don't know. You seem to bring up that like this is an issue. Uh, it's not an issue. It bears watching, I would say. My opinion is Nick Folk is still your kicker yep. for the foreseeable future. Can you he make a prediction that Warwasser would kick for the Patriots by, like, Thanksgiving or something? Yes. I think late in the year you will at least see. Now, it also depends if they go in a different direction like you're talking about and sign somebody first, yep. and he's great. Maybe Warwasser never gets his chance. But, yeah, I, I think there's a good chance you're going to see Warwasser kicking for them at some point when they want a stronger leg. Um, I mean – Bailey did a good job on the kickoffs, putting them through the end zone. But at some point, they might want to be able to attempt longer field goals or feel like, you know, 45 yards in November, December is too much for folk. Like, once the winds and the cold start um, settling into Gillette Stadium, I I just – it bears watching. I'm not saying it's an issue. Maybe that's his only miss. Maybe he goes, you know, 19 of 20 on field goals moving forward, and you're fine. Right. I would just keep an eye on it. Uh, Guy we didn't talk about at all, Nikhil Harry. Thoughts on him? Like the the fumble is not good, but he made I don't know he he made more plays than he did in the game last year. So if if you told me Nikhil Harry has five catches in the opener, I'd say oh that's a good step forward for him. Right. He had twelve catches total in seven games a year. That's a good step right. forward. Right. Now if you told me one of those was a motion swing pass in which I was set up for a highlight reel, he's going to run a guy over and he bounced off a DB ass over tea kettle. And then the other one, he was reaching for the end zone or had the ball stripped and out the back of the end zone for a turnover. Okay, not his ideal anymore. Not great. Now he had two bad ones in five. Um, it's – I want to – I'm trying to be – you know how I feel about him, that I don't think he's all that good. But he's also now nine games into his Patriots career, whatever it is. Like, he, he missed the first half of last year. So I'm, he's not even through a full season of NFL games yet. I'm, I'm trying to be. Would you admit that there is some talent there? Of course. He was a first round pick. Right. But do I still have the fears that 
there will always be quote some talent there and he'll never be a consistent reliable receiver well, I was gonna say the thing it keeps coming back it's the consistency like even in training camp you have one good practice one shitty practice miss three practices come back it sucked then have two great days like yesterday had five catches three you know solid ones but two bad ones like right and that's the that ratio isn't that's not a top two or maybe even a top three receiver. That's like a four receiver. That's a specialist. That's a right. complimentary role athlete that you put in certain situations. But I'm trying to slow my negative role on Nikhil Harry. I'm trying to slow play it, give him his opportunities to succeed. We'll see. I think it's good that it's Cam Newton. I think we'll see how that – I also think there was even one that was good. The Did you see the Jacoby Myers when he lined up and started to go in motion and Cam's like, no, no. Yeah. And I just assumed it was one of those he started the motion too soon. He never went in motion after that. He was not supposed to go in motion. Right. So that Cam, he, Cam has a grasp of the offense that maybe he didn't two weeks ago. Right. And watching live, I didn't see any cutaways. That's probably one where Brady's muttering and shaking his head. Whereas Cam, I think it was nothing. No, I fixed it. I stopped you. Right. We're Where, fine. We'll go to the yeah, next one. Yeah, you're right. Brady in his head's like, what the fuck's this guy doing? I'm not throwing right. him the ball. Whereas Cam's like, okay, we're on to the next play. Cam knows Jed Fish and Josh will clean it up when we go into a meeting. Right. Like, Jacoby, what were you doing here? Nope, we don't do that. Move forward. Right. So that I'll circle back around as we finish. That's my big takeaway. Cam's healthy, and Cam's working relationship with his teammates, his interaction with his teammates, is something that I think Patriot Nation should be excited to build upon. I don't know if they're good enough. We'll find out if they're good enough. But you got your quarterback, and he's got his team, and they are all on the same page. All right, we'll uh, navigate through this schedule because you've got new radio commitments. We're not at Gillette. So we'll, we'll, there will be another podcast this week, day and yes. time, TBD. But Com- we'll, we'll figure it out. I am looking forward to uh, – I hate night games, but – Oh, me, I was actually saying that last night. Like, I'm not looking forward to next – the game I am, but the time – no, no. Right. I'm glad, right. I'm glad it's a way game. We won't have to actually go to the stadium. Well, that may not be an issue for me anymore at home or away. <laughs> that useless experience that was my trip to Gillette yesterday. Um, uh, two things real quick. Plexiglass, Bill Belichick was right. There's plexiglass everywhere. Um, the bill is probably magnificent. And the boxed lunches at Gillette Stadium, though they certainly ignited my IBS issues, um, good solid turkey sandwich, pasta salad, and a mini cheesecake that I enjoyed. You wouldn't know because when you arrive at basically midway through the uh, game from your golf uh, tournament, uh, you missed your box lunch, I guess. It was the first quarter, and they I made a mistake. I should have grabbed them when I came in because there was a few in the back tables. Then at halftime, I went back to get one. All gone. That's a rookie mistake. When food is available, take it. Yes. We're, uh, we're all navigating these new COVID times at July. It's a brave new world. And but I then, guess to your point, it's not worth – like you made – like you get – you almost get more out of watching on TV. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say that's that's accurate. Yeah, it's so. always good to have somebody there just to see, like, for instance, the, the Newton thing after the game. You probably saw more being there than you saw on TV, but it's just little things like that that really don't add up to be there in person. Because everything's sure being doesn't good. take two of us. I mean, one yeah. set of eyes will be enough. And then, um, finally, yes, I'm looking forward to Sunday night because – that is an opportunity for a true overreaction Monday. If they go out, I don't, they can lose the game, but if they go out there and slug it out with the Seahawks, that is a game that could alter my perceptions of what this team can be Good. over the long haul of a 16 game season. Good. Maybe you can get to, to me in, in nine and seven. <laughs> oh, no, 
if they play the Seahawks tough, I'll, you know me. I like to react. I'm emotional. I'll be back to like, oh, they're going to win the East. They might be a two seed. They're going to go to the AFC title game. Yep. Now, the flip is true, too. If they get their doors blown off and like, well, Wilson does what he did the other night and goes 34 of 30, I mean, 31 of 35 with four touchdowns. And right. I, it could go the other way, too. I, I make no promises. All right. Well, we'll be back this week with the Seahawks preview. Uh, until then, and enjoy the week. Peace out. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus